Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Creative Lifestyle Planning is proud to sponsor the award-winning Berkshire Football Stories podcast from Football in Berkshire. Creative Lifestyle Planning is a woking and based independent financial planning business who provide affordable, transparent financial planning for clients from all walks of life. Maybe you're saving for a property, planning for retirement, or would just like to save some money in a tax-efficient manner. Drop them a line on 0330-118-0210. That's 0330-118-0210 for a free initial consultation. And let them know Football in Berkshire sent you. Hello, Tom Canning here to introduce Football in Berkshire's first interview podcast for quite some time. Every week, the award-winning Berkshire Football Stories podcast will bring you two great podcasts. Our regular chat pod with myself, Abby Tysurst and host Rob Davis, as well as a second pod that will include an interview with someone from the world of Berkshire football. We have some great guests in the next few weeks, but with the FA Cup first round proper on the horizon, we thought it only right and proper to sit down with Mr FA Cup Factfile himself, Phil Annetts, and learn a little bit more about the world's greatest knockout competition, as well as Phil himself. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit subscribe to get the latest episodes every week, and do look us up on Twitter, at FI Berkshire, and on Facebook by searching Football in Berkshire. That's enough from me, here's our interview with Phil. Hi everybody, Tom here. I'm with Phil Annette, uh, otherwise known as Mr. FA Cup Factfile on Twitter, also the author of the excellent FA Cup 150 book, which is available now uh, in all good bookstores and from Phil's house or website, I presume. Yeah, hi Tom. Yeah, no, it's, it's available from my website, facfactfile.co.uk forward slash shop, or you can get it from Amazon, uh, and it is in local shops around my Oxford uh, area uh, as well. Um, so Blackwell's in Oxford is the last one to take it. So you can get it, get there, get it from there. Fan, fantastic, thanks, Phil. Uh, uh, people will be wondering why on earth a man from Oxfordshire is appearing on the now award-winning Football in Berkshire podcast. Um, and quite simply, uh, as I've kind of already given away the given away the game, you are Mister FA Cup Fact File. Um, I, I often did wonder why you were often at games around this area, and as it turns out, it's because you're quite nearby in Oxfordshire. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, close on the boundaries, so I get to see a lot of Berkshire clubs. Yeah. Uh, and the rounds when I'm covering the FA Cup and and when I've got free weekends. <laughs> we got to do something, fill the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want to get into the nature of life and, and, and all the rest of it, but, you know, you've got to fill the days, haven't you? Um, so just, I, I guess we, we wanted to, we'll talk a little bit about the FA Cup, but I wanted to, to sort of talk to, to the man behind man behind the scenes a little bit as well we we met for the first time we've we've been twitter friends for for a long time now we've we've you've shared facts with me we've 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 done articles around um bits you've spotted for us and all of that kind of thing but i met you for the first time on saturday at wallingford town versus ascot united um in the fa vars no less not the fa cup um you uh, so as well as FA Cup fact file, you also do a, a slightly more important FA Vars fact file Twitter account as well, um, and you started that in the summer. Um, I know you did a bit of crowdsourcing for that as to whether you should. Was it kind of overwhelming and an obvious thing to do in the end? 
Well, it, it, it was something that people had been asking for uh, for some time. They also asked about the FA Trophy as well. Um, so it's uh, it's quite challenging to, to do just the FA Cup fact final, as you can imagine. Um, but with lockdown happening last year, um, the way that the FA Vars ran was slightly different to, to normal and it was all compacted in quite a short space of time. So it, in a way, it turned out to be quite good that I launched FA Vars file, um, FA Vars fat file, sorry, at, uh, at a time when we could accommodate both. But this season, when things have got back to a sort of normality, it's been quite a challenge to stay on top of both competitions. Um, do, do you have a favourite competition? It, it, I mean, I, I note by the fact that the FA Trophy fact file doesn't yet exist that I'm suggesting that that's possibly your bronze medal competition. But, uh, but do you have a choice if you had to choose between the other two? Maybe that's fairly obvious as well. well. You, you, yeah, I mean, the FA Cup's the, the one I love the most, uh, I have to say. the uh, It's the one where I've spent most of my life um, following and analysing. So it's ingrained within me and... Uh, but the FA Vars, I, I love the FA Vars because any club that takes part in that competition has a chance of getting to Wembley. Um, at the start of the competition, you can't, you cannot predict which two teams are going to make it. And so, I mean, I, I've referred to it as the egalitarian competition. So all clubs are, are equal, and that has been proven in the past. Very the much FA the animal, club, very much the yeah. animal farm of um, of FA competitions. <laughs> <laughs> you could, I, I just hope no horse gets taken to slaughter yes. uh, <laughs> of it. Um, but the FA Trophy it, it's, it's, uh, it is a challenge to do that one uh, more because it's history it's, it's not been consistent in the way that the competition has been structured and it makes it quite a challenge to be able to compare the modern day game with its origins back in the late 60s and 70s whereas the Vars um, quite nice for a statistician like me has always had two qualifying rounds and the rest is probably rounds, all apart from the first two seasons where there were no qualifying rounds. But it's easy to manage. And uh, even as a lot of clubs um, that take part and a lot of games happen each round, um, it's got more consistency. And mm. um, Phil, let, let's let's take it right back to your kind of origins in football, especially locally. What I, I remember when we when we were talking at Wallingford at the weekend, you you said you had a, a, a previous affiliation with the club, but where did you start? Where did where did your interest in, in non-league football start? It, it, in truth, it did start when I moved to the Oxfordshire area at the end of the, uh, the 1990s. Um, I'd previously been following Leeds United, the, the team I support, and I obviously took up most of my weekends when I was watching football. Um, but that became very difficult to do with a very young family and starting a new job and living in Oxfordshire. So I decided I'd start looking around the local uh, games, which I started to do, uh, go to local clubs in the Oxfordshire and Berkshire uh, and surrounding areas. Um, I got myself involved in the North Barks Football League, which is a step set, well, was a step seven league, now even below step seven. Um, it's basically uh, clubs around, well, they're no, neither in the North nor Berkshire, they're, they're more Oxfordshire and yeah. Wiltshire. And, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very old league and it's a, it's a league where Wallingford were playing in at the time. They'd, they'd actually gone down to quite a low level after the highs of the early part of the 21st century. Um, and through my involvement with North Berkshire League, I got to know Wallingford Town very well. And I did actually spend a year or so working with the club when they were first back in the Hellenic League. Um, helping them out on their media. Uh, but then FA Cup 150 took over and I really couldn't dedicate time to both 
getting that published and and helping a club in the way that a club needs. So I support Wallingford now from from the uh, from the sidelines. And Wallingford's an interesting one because obviously um, people do ask us why do you cover Wallingford um, and, and purely and simply it's my website I choose. Um, <laughs> it's not necessarily my website. It's it's our website as a, as there's a group of us who most people will know uh, were behind the scenes. But you know, Wallingford obviously is in Oxfordshire. Um, there's arguments as to there's a couple of other clubs that would fit this criteria as well, um, but. Wallingford was in Berkshire, I think, 1975, um, and and we just kind of feel that that there's not any other coverage of them. So so let's <laughs> let's let's do it. It's it's a simple. Plus the fact Glenn Glenn Goody uh, is is a nice man, um, and it would it just you know it's, it's one of those where uh, and and frankly I think had they stayed in the Hellenic this season, um, which I think would have been an absolute disaster mm-hmm. for them, um, then we probably wouldn't have done quite so much but because they're now over back over with in the combined counties league with mm-hmm. the rest of the clubs we cover it just makes sense to to carry on as we are um but i guess my, my curiosity some of my curiosities about wallingford are they they've had more re, sort of um reawakenings more um revisions more uh you know re- rising from the dead than i think most <laughs> clubs locally do, what's do you know much about that what's the what are the reasons why they've they've had so many different guises um, now I'm not really okay with the history per se. Um, obviously, they had a big success in the early 21st century. You know, they were they were beating AFC Wimbledon to the combined counties title in those days. Um, but obviously, various owners uh, have not been as as uh, straightforward as other owners, and that can leave clubs in trouble. As a lot of teams around the country find out when they've got rogue owners. And I think it's just been a case of uh, it's taken them a while to get back onto their feet and to get themselves back into the pyramid. Uh, now they've got a good team that are behind the, the club who are who have the club and, and the town's interests at heart uh, more than their own individual interests. And I think that's what's going to help them grow. It's probably entirely coincidental, but there does seem to be a, a bit of a common thing with clubs that were previously in Berkshire and now in Oxfordshire, because you've got you're, that's ha- seems to be going on with the Abingdons mm-hmm. um, and a couple of others. I don't know if that's just purely coincidental. I suspect it is. Yeah, I think, um, that, yeah. I think what Warrenford has now is what clubs need, and they need a bunch of people in the committee who are, have the club's interests at heart and are not in it just for the sake of being a a club owner or have that opportunity to um, call themselves a, a club director or whatever, whatever motivates people. It's more about helping the club rather than individuals helping themselves. Um, so, so that's a little bit about the, the history of Phil. Um, I, I wanted to cover just a bit of the FA Cup fact file, how you get stuff out there um, and, you know, what, what your kids perhaps make of the fact that their dad's turning up on football focus next to a guy who might also be involved with football in Berkshire dressed as a magpie. Um, so where does, uh, where does that all, uh, where, where did that start? What gave you the idea to create something um, that is, that is kind of now synonymous and, and, and let's, let's face it has, has become, has come to prominence fairly quickly. Um, it, it's not, not an overnight sensation as such, but, but has, um, generated 18,000 followers on Twitter fairly rapidly. I wish we had 18,000 followers. <laughs> well, you're an award winner now. I can't well, it too yeah, long no. before you do. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I've always, I've always been fascinated with the statistics side of football as much as 
the game itself and and following uh, Leeds United as I was as a youngster, although mainly uh, from afar. But obviously, growing up in the seventies, I am slightly older than yourself, Tom. Uh, growing up in the seventies, the FA Cup was the competition that you actually got a chance to see on TV, and it was a big event and it obviously made a big impression on me. And so, um, yeah, for my statistical bent and my love of football, it was no surprise that I would collate the records. Um, what I hadn't learned when I was younger was all the, all the history of the clubs uh, in the lower level that didn't make it to the first round. And obviously it's like an iceberg. Uh, you only see a small proportion of clubs actually yeah. take part in the competition once you get to the first round. Uh, so that sort of got me fascinated from about, I think it's around about 99, 2000 or so when I started to look at, at uh, completing my records, if you like, just for personal, just for personal use. Um, unfortunately, I've not been able to get my kids involved in it. They, they've got their own computer-generated entertainment, which uh, is a long way away from what I do. And so they're not really football fans, which uh, is a little bit of a sad thing for me. But also, um, as my team leads were in the doldrums while they were growing up, they probably wouldn't have supported them anyway. Yeah. And would have been supporting bigger premiership teams, which would have probably been worse for me to bear than not liking football in the first place. Um, but... Around about 20, oh, 2015, I, I, I thought, why don't I see if there's an interest in what I've collated on the internet and via Twitter? I, I launched it on via my own account originally, my own name, um, but used uh, an account called the Real FA Cup. You may have come across. Ah, the yes. FA yep. Cup. And Damon, who runs that, he was very supportive of what I was doing, was happy for me to tag onto his website um, to see what sort of interest there might be in the stats and facts and the way that I present what I do. And uh, it became clear early on that, that people seemed to like what I had in my information bank and also how I was presenting the information, not just reading, reading out a bunch of facts, but putting it into context or into stories or etc. cetera. And uh, so uh, a year later, 2016, I launched FA Cup fact file, um, and it did take off quite quickly because by the end of that season, I I had half a dozen pages in the FA Cup final program. Wow! Which uh, was like a dream come true in a sense. <laughs> as, a, as a young boy who wanted to play in an FA Cup final and score a goal, as we all did, um, soon learned I was never going to do that. But this was uh, my equivalent of that, I suppose. Um, getting my name into the program on the cup final and having presence in that program was a was a fantastic and very proud day for me. Um, as as a as the man who was praised by Jeff Brazier at the FA Vars final this year for his comprehensive um, Binfield fact file, uh, I, I can I can tot I can I'm on your level with this one. I, I understand the the thrill of this. Um, the fact I didn't know who Jeff Brazier was until uh, I was praised by him and then had to go and Google him is something we won't mention or talk about. So so my wife is just to the left of me laughing. Um, she clearly knows who Jeff Brazier is, um, and I, given that he's involved in non-league football, actually it's quite shameful that I didn't but anyway this is not the Tom Canning podcast this is the Phil Annette's podcast uh, about the FA Cup fact file so let's get back to you Phil um so obviously what I guess the, the next point then is obviously um every every round you generate facts about each fixture and I you know mm -hmm. I see them um you 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 put out you know this must be at times because this, this I'm trying to think the, the most amount of time which round has got the most amount of ties well, in the FA Cup, it's usually the extra preliminary round. 
Yeah, ah, yeah. So, so we've got about 180 ties historically, although with the changes the FA have made recently, that sort of so, number is slightly changed. But the FA Vars has often has over 200 ties oh, in, in, in its first qualifying round. I'm presuming this is often um, uh, spreadsheet wizardry, but how do you generate that? That that um, I'm, I'm just gonna I was just gonna try and um, just quickly find one on your um, on your Twitter page with uh, just some of the general facts that you do put out, uh, and I'm gonna fail miserably to do yeah. that because my lack of preparation um, on the on such things is uh, legendary. Uh, <laughs> you probably find better going to the um, my WordPress FA Cup fact file. That'll be the one. Um, nothing like a little bit of admin mid podcast. So. <laughs> Well, that's how I live my life. On, on, uh, um, being able to work away around my admin. Um, it's when, when people ask me a question, what's, what's, is that the first time that's ever happened or whatever uh, they might ask? And I don't really know the answer necessarily, but I know where the answer is. Yeah. And I know how to get there quickly. And I don't have a sophisticated database as might be uh, run by other data houses yeah. that provide soccer facts, uh, Premier League onwards, typically. Um, but I just know where everything is on my databases and I can right. find it quickly. And, and I've got an aptitude for being able to tell the story about it as well. So we, we've got just, I've, I've managed to pull one up after after filling, and, and thanks for helping me with that, Phil. Um, so we've got, we, so the this is the 41 FA Cup third qualifying round ties, tie number one, Radcliffe v Morpeth Town. Um, information on their league status, the step, the best cup run, the FA Cup form, and the notes. Um, and in the notes, this I, th- I think this, this is possibly the slightly the most interesting thing, is the no previous FA Cup meetings. Yeah. How, how do you know that? <laughs> I know that. Uh, that's through uh, years and years of collating the data and um, being disciplined as well to to make sure that I can check, double check and triple check club histories mm-hmm. to make sure that um, I don't just take things at face value and I do look to see uh, whatever evidence there is. I'm, I'm not being very good at recording where I've sourced all the data that I've got, but I do because I was only doing it really for my own purposes when I originally set it up and to go back and look at all that again would take forever in a day so I've just have to know that my own um, process is strong enough to know that I'm comfortable with what I said so I have a database with every single club that's ever taken part mm-hmm. three and a half thousand or so of them uh, over across uh, 74,000 games or whatever has happened in the FA Cup to date and I'm able to manipulate that data in a way that makes it easy for me to see who's played who in the past and uh, uh, significantly this week I've I put out a stat massive fan of this stat my my boss is a fan of one of these clubs I'm a huge fan of this stat go on I'll let you uh, I'll let you introduce it so um, uh, in uh, across 150 years of the FA Cup and uh, and, uh, throughout 73,000 plus games uh, there has never been a meeting between two clubs that both begin with the letter Y and that is going to happen in the first round this season as Yate Town host Yeovil Town. And so for me, that's a fantastic uh, type of stat that I love. That, that, that's the sort of thing I like to dig out. And it has actually seemingly caught the imagination of a lot of people as well, which is great. It's, it's the kind of stat that would pay the bills were you doing this professionally. That That's what... <laughs> well, I am trying to do this professionally. But <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, not, not only, doesn't only, it doesn't really pay the bills in that respect, but what, what is good is it gives me a good reputation of being a place to go for um, 
good quality and stats that have efficacy, which is, I think, the most important thing. Uh, quite often, people who provide stats don't really care if it's accurate as long as they get popularity on the back of yeah. it. But I'm very, very much want to make sure my stats are as correct as can be. And I don't mind being corrected. If, I've, if I'm wrong, then I'll have people to tell me because I want my information to be right. And, uh, you know, you, you, can have, you can be right 999 times out of 1,000. <laughs> you make one mistake and suddenly you, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, in the eyes of those that are looking. A reputation is easily easily broken. Um, mm-hmm. There's an interesting one on here. I'm just I'm just looking. Uh, it's Runcorn Lintz for Gateshead, and the the stat for Gateshead is lost twice to original Runcorn FC in the cup. Mm-hmm. How do you decide? Because obviously, and I, I suspect this is more of a problem in the Vars um, <laughs> with with teams coming and going um, here for a season and gone, and then something. You know, um, I mean, as we spoke about Wallingford, a very similar situation. Do, how do you make a, a sort of decision lay on whether a club is the same club or a different club or do, yeah. do, or do you just look historically at that? Well, it's a, it's a very difficult one. And uh, two people have two different views of what's co- uh, connections between old and new clubs. Um, so I don't profess ever to be an expert on any particular club. And I'm definitely not consistent in the way that I might regard club histories. But what I do is I look at the evidence that's out there on the internet and through other sources that I can get hold of, and I make a judgment about what I think is right. And then I use that judgment and I stick to it and reference it when I make any um, statistical analysis. But at the same time, if someone shows me evidence that what I have as an understanding is not correct, then I will happily change my data to reflect that. And I have done that quite a few times. when I've seen it, but if what often happens is people are passionate about the club and they, they have a they have an association with the original club in their heart, and they don't like to think that it hasn't been one continuous club. And uh, you know, it, even even in the official uh, analysis, there isn't consistency. Chesterfield is a classic example. That club has formed and reformed several times, and yet it still is regarded as one of the oldest clubs in the country. Uh, even a Chesterfield historian on their own website like, says that they don't think it is one continuous club, but it gets recognised as such in the general world of football. Uh, and for other clubs, you can, can see them where they're like Wallingford, for example, the, the current club is not the same as the Wallingford town that was, ha- was uh, formed in the 1920s because they, they merged with Wallingford United to form AFC Wallingford, who then changed their name eventually back to Wallingford town. But, so there's an association, obviously, but they're not the same club. In um, uh, let's let's bring it sort of into into our patch then a little bit. I, I've I've been looking through it. I, I think, uh, and you did ask me not to spring uh, <laughs> random stats and stuff on you. And um, but just off the top of my head, I think that Slough are probably. Uh, perhaps aside from from Reading FC, we we don't do professional clubs here, um, except for for Reading FC women. Um, but I, th- I think Slough are probably the most successful FA Cup Berkshire side. Uh, um, no, well, is Maidenhead in Berkshire? It is indeed. Well, I would say Maidenhead historically because they they obviously one of the, one of the teams that entered the first ever competition and back in okay. the 19th century they managed to make it as far as quarterfinals. Um, so if you take the complete record, then yeah. you have the same maidenhead. Um, but if you talk about uh, modern times in Slough, yeah, they've probably performed better than maidenhead have in the competition. 
So Maidenhead are are in the first round this season. Yep. And they're looking to make the second round for the first time in 135 years. It's a long, long time. It's a long, it? long time. I don't think any clubs waited that long to uh, try to equal their best uh, where their, their uh, a level uh, they had achieved in the past. Um, so it's a, it's a long, long way. But Slough Town's record is that they um, they hold the record for appearing in the second round the most without ever going further. Mm-hmm. I think they've now done it eight times. Oh, wow. Yeah, I believe it's eight. So that is a record that they hold. Um, so it, maybe it's not really one they want to hold because they'd love to make the third round. But uh, every club, I find, um, looking through my statistics, I can find something that they may well have about their FA Cup record that is distinct and different to anyone else. Um, and obviously, we, we we have the FA Vars as well. We talk about the FA Vars. And, and last season, we had US Portsmouth who reached the semi-finals um, all the way from, I think it was the first qualifying round. Um, and, and obviously, Barks County, Wallingford are still in the competition this this season. They will have started at the very first rounds. Yeah. Um, as did Warrington Rylands last year. Yes, yes, they did. They, 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 they started in the first qualifying round and made it all, made it all the way to, to the final. In, in terms of the VARs, is that regular? Is that a normal? I don't think it's regular necessarily, but it, it, it's it, there's no reason why it can't happen for any club. I'd say earlier, there's, there's, the clubs aren't seeded mm. in the in the VARs, and yes, you've got step five and you've got step six, uh, which obviously uh, is an indicator of quality. Allegedly, this year in particular, it's a little bit more. The, the waters have been a bit more muddied because there's quite a lot of what were step six clubs in step five this year. Um, as a consequence of the restructure. But, you know, the, on a day, most step six clubs can beat step five clubs, you know, if it goes their way. Um, so any, anyone in it still, if they're still in it, they can still win it. Um, and, and so with, with the FA Cup, obviously, we all get fascinated by giant killers uh, and and this kind of thing, giant killings. What what, what would you class, what, what's your sort of... Um, uh, definition of a giant killing because I, it does annoy me when I see people saying that a club one division below another club that and that, uh, the, the club the division below beat the club above them. That's not that's not a giant killing, is it? That's that's tell me I'm right. Well, I, I call that I, I use a term that people don't really like a lot is I use the word cup set to suggest. Oh yes, I'm a big fan of the word cup yeah. set. So one one level below, I would say, is is a cup set. I think you'd have to go at least two levels for it to be regarded as a giant killing. Although, to be fair, you know, if if you look at the way that the the money is in the game and how the Premier League is stretching further and further away from the rest of us, you know, seeing seeing a Championship team beat a Premier League team in ten years' time might be regarded as a giant killing. Mm. Because uh, you know, if Man, Man City or Newcastle did they get all their money and make a difference, they they lose to a team that's at the bottom of the championship, that would be a, a very big surprise. But, you know, it, it is about the money now rather than the, the league status uh, defines uh, the scale of the, the victory. Right? Bradford City beating Chelsea, that is regarded by many as the biggest upset uh, in the competition's history because of the, the gap in finances and the fact that Chelsea were 2 up as well, which compounded that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it is a, a very big... Upset and, and definitely a giant killing, but is it the biggest of all time? Possibly not. Do, do you have? I feel, I feel like you might have one that you regard as the, the biggest of all time. 
Well, I think, you know, because I, I am a fan of the competition throughout its whole existence, um, I'm more aware maybe of victories of lower level clubs against bigger teams and the circumstances that surrounded it. So I, I would say that Yeovil Town's defeat of Sunderland in 1948-49 is, is for me the biggest client killing act. Um, Sunderland were the moneyed team at the time. And Yeovil, you know, they are where they are now, but it was a Southern League side. But in those days, the Southern League clubs were um, quite far away from the Football League in terms of quality. And I think that, for me, is the biggest uh, giant killing of the competition system. And, and let's uh, let's just to, to round things off. I wanted to ask you about your infamous appearance on Football Focus with Dan Walker uh, and the Maidenhead Magpie. Um, how did that come about? Um, are, are, am I missing regular TV appearances of yours, Phil? <laughs> no, that is, that is my only time I've been in front of the camera on live TV. Um, I have appeared in the background on a few other <laughs> episodes of Football Focus in, in the FA Cup draws. Um, but uh, no, that there's a, I have a contact at the BBC who who organises all of the um, live shows for football, and he seems to be a fan of what I do. So he got me the opportunity to get an interview at that game, um, given its significance uh, as being at Maidenhead. Um, so that was a great opportunity that I I took, and I didn't end up as a as a meme, online meme at the end of it. So I was quite happy with my performance. Um, but uh, it was lovely to do it again. I was at the FA Cup draw for the first round this season uh, behind the scenes, which was which was nice to see because ITV are doing it this year. Mm. Slightly different uh, in the way it's done, but it was still uh, nice to uh, see how it all works in terms of making the draw. Um, and it's not that much different from what you see on the screen, if I'm being honest. But it's just nice to see it live. Then um, just to just to finish off the, the, the book um, FA Cup One Fifty, um, how long did that take you to pull together? Have you, I, I know you alluded to it earlier in that in our conversation. Yeah. I think about five years ago I identified that this season would be the hundred and fiftieth anniversary of the FA Cup, and I wanted to produce something to commemorate that. But I obviously had to establish myself in in the world of football beforehand for it to have any chance of anyone being interested in reading it. And so you know, I had to set up FA Cup Fat File and thankfully the work I've done there has given me credibility that's enabled me to have some kind of standing to launch the FA Cup 150 book. And it is launched with some great support from in the world of football. You've got Henry Winter and John Murray and Steve Wilson who are happily putting quotes to the book and great support from uh, those who follow my account who without them pledging the money up front, the book could never have been produced because um, having launched products before, I recognise the only real way to do it and not be out of pocket is to ensure you've got the money yeah. to produce it in the first place. So knowing I had that backing uh, made it uh, worthwhile going forward. And the reception to what I've produced, I've been really pleased with, not just in terms of sales, which are going steadily well, um, but also what people say in terms of its content and how it looks and, and how it's presented, which uh, you know I'm very proud of. Obviously, I know, I know it's done very well because I can see you sitting on a solid gold chair. So um, <laughs> it, it's I thought I'd hidden it with the, with the bulk I've got from all the food I've been eating. <laughs> <as well. laughs> 
<laughs> um, Phil, thank you very much for your time today. Um, if anybody wants to buy the book, um, how much is it and where can they buy it from? Okay, well, it's, it's £15. Um, I call that great value for money at £1 per decade. As, as, one, as someone who has a copy, I agree entirely. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, it, FA Cup 150 is available from my website, um, facupfatfire.co.uk forward slash shop. But that's a PayPal mechanic to get the product. But that's where I'd like you to buy it from. But if PayPal is not your thing and you want a more conventional uh, way of purchasing online, then you can uh, get, get the book from Amazon. Just type in FA Cup 150. It will be there. Uh, and it will take every credit card, etc. Um, I'm also in some local stores in Oxfordshire, as I mentioned earlier. And I also go around the grounds um, to each round. I'm, I'm at Hayes and Yedding United uh, for the first round of the FA Cup. So if you're down there, then you can uh, get a copy there. Um, I'm also at the Generation Cup that's happening. Yes. This weekend. You may have heard of the Generation Cup that's happening at Hitchin Town on Sunday, the 31st, and at Bygate Priory on the 7th of November. So uh, that's other ways that people can get hold of the book. Fantastic. Phil, thank you very much. Just before we go, um, just remind us of the Twitter account. So it's at FA Cup Fatfile for the FA Cup and at FA Vars Fatfile for the FA Vars. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you, Tom. I hope you enjoyed the interview there with Phil, Mr. FA Cup Factfile himself. Uh, don't forget, there is plenty more to come from the Berkshire Football Stories podcast. We have two podcasts a week, our chat podcast and an interview podcast. So make sure you hit subscribe and don't forget to find us on Twitter at FI Berkshire and search Football in Berkshire on Facebook to join our page. Do not miss a moment. Creative Lifestyle Planning is proud to sponsor the award-winning Berkshire Football Stories podcast from Football in Berkshire. Creative Lifestyle Planning is a woking and based independent financial planning business who provide affordable, transparent financial planning for clients from all walks of life. Maybe you're saving for a property, planning for retirement or would just like to save some money in a tax efficient manner. Drop them a line on 0330-118-0210. That's 0330-118-0210 for a free initial consultation and let them know Football in Berkshire sent you.